For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Press Row. Behind-the-scenes stories from the world of sports media. Press Row. Inside and interviews from around the sports world. Now here's your host, Jonah Siegel. Welcome back. Press Row, Jonah here. It's been an interesting summer. It's actually been a summer. For the first time, I think, in three-plus years or whatever, it's been COVID-wise. We've actually had people take this funny thing called vacation. People have taken time off from work, from all kinds of things, and it's actually been nice. And I've noticed it a lot on the sports side, too. I haven't listened to sports radio, haven't really read much. Like a good chunk of team executives in the non-summer leagues have taken time off. And I think everyone, especially fans, have needed it, which is good to see. You know, the the grind of being a player we hear about all the time, but there's also a grind of being a fan, the nonstop banter, going to games, watching games. We've had it jammed down our throats as a result of shortened season, condensed seasons, and I think everybody's needed a break. So today's podcast, we uh, we go down a path that I don't go down very often. We actually talk about some X's and O's a little bit in the wide world of fantasy football. And uh, Justin Boone joins me. He is a pretty interesting character, earned a reputation of being one of the best at his trades. And uh, hopefully you'll learn a little bit about him, where he's come from. And uh, there's actually some tips on the upcoming NFL season. Again, something we don't usually do here. Uh, See if you like it. I found it fascinating. And uh, sit back and enjoy today's episode of In the Press Row. Welcome back. Leave In the Press Row. Jonah here out in Seattle. It is, uh, the countdown is on. The baseball exclusivity window is coming to an end. I don't know if you think that's a good thing or a bad thing. For a lot of sports fans, it's a good thing. But for people generally, that means the end of summer. And uh, I don't know. I think we're ready. I, I don't know about you, Justin, and I'll, I'll I'll ask you a question before I introduce you, but this has felt like the first summer we've had in a long time, and, and I think people have actually taken a vacation for the first time. Um, it's been harder to get in contact with people. It's been harder to do business with people. I think it's a good thing. People have actually shut down, turned off, and uh, it's good. So I think for me, I am ready to get going. I am ready for the baseball exclusivity to end. College football is back. NFL is back. Soon it will be NBA and NFL and all that stuff. But I'm not going to let you answer. I'm going to be rude and ramble. My guest today is uh, a guru in a, a very hot topic. Um, he is joining us from Stony Creek, Ontario. Uh, he is the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. He is Justin Boone. Justin, how are you? I am doing great. Uh, we talked a little bit before the show, and and I was telling you how this time of year is 
both exciting and very daunting for me because it feels like we're sort of standing at the the bottom of the mountain looking up at the next you know four or five months and how busy I know I'm going to be and how busy I kind of you know I put a lot of work on myself uh, oftentimes that I probably don't need to but it's just the way I'm I'm wired I want to make sure that I'm trying to be the best at everything I do um, so it's it's going to be a tough next few months but it's also just so exciting I I love football I've been in love with football for a few decades now. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for the season to come back. And I think it's interesting what you were saying there because as much as, and I'm probably the worst for this a few years ago, I was never unplugged. I was even all off season long and I've tried to get a better work-life balance in the last couple of years, at least in the off season for NFL during the season, it's still very difficult and I'm canceling plans with friends and family often. And they're all very understanding of that. But, uh, as much as you try to unplug, because of the phones, because of the mobile devices, and you're getting these notifications all the time, it's like almost impossible to do it, right? Like to actually shut your phone off. And I know several years ago, I tried one time, I, I was leaving a job and, and they were paying for my phone. So they took the phone back. And I said, you know what, I'm going to see how long I can go without a phone. And this was, I'd say probably 10 years ago now. So it's sort of like smartphones were around and I'd had one, but you know, it wasn't as it is now where you're like just knee deep in it all the time. And I think I made it two or three days before I walked into a phone store and said, give me what you got. Like, let's, <laughs> we got to do this. So um, I can't even imagine now. I, I can't even imagine if a, a phone broke or something, you'd need one later that day to stay on top of all the news. So um, anyway, to, an to answer your question, uh, very pumped this time of year, very excited as much as uh, I know how much works ahead of me here. So I strolled through an airport yesterday and, you know, you walk through the newsstands. And, you know, people are buying junk food and $30 bottles of water. I don't of understand course. why people buy them. <laughs> um, but there's all those magazines, the guide to, you know, the fantasy picks, and that's what they are. Like those things to hit print have to be written months ago. Like yes. how outdated are those things? Extremely. I mean, there's going to be some evergreen articles in there that'll still work for people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, a supporter of any type of content that people are making. I, you know, I don't love it all. I don't consume it all myself, but I definitely want to support everybody that's out there doing it. But at the same time, yeah, when it comes to those magazines, it's very difficult to print one of those and have it be relevant come late August. And we're getting to the time now where the last couple of weeks of August and that first week of September before the season comes around, that's when the majority of fantasy drafts are. And a lot of those magazines are coming out in June, July. Um, it, it's really, it's not the best way to go about it. Now, I know a lot of them are also tied to websites. And maybe if you buy the magazine, you're getting a subscription to the website as well, that sort of thing. And the website will have up-to-date information. But yeah, it's very, very difficult to stay current, even with, uh, like we have in a score fantasy football draft kit, I'm updating it every single day. There's new content going in. I'm changing my rankings. Every time you get a piece of news, an injury happening, it's tough to stay on top of that. And you want to make sure that you have people that are drafting at all times over the next month or so. Um, you want to make sure they have the most up-to-date information. And I think one of the problems right now is there is so much content in the industry. I think it's probably very difficult for casual fantasy players. And I know a lot of them. A lot of them are friends of mine and family members who don't really pay attention all off season. They come back around when training camp begins or the preseason begins hall of fame game. That's a big one. When people finally see NFL players on a field and go, Oh my God, football's back. And they're trying to get caught up. 
But when there's this much information out there, it's got to be so tough for them to weed through it and figure out who's putting out content that's going to help them, who's putting out, you know, maybe more hot take kind of stuff that isn't necessarily the best when you're trying to build a team. Um, so I, I feel like it's very, very difficult for casual fantasy players now to kind of sort through where to get their information and all the different sources. You've been doing this for a long time. How, how don't did don't you, date how, me too much here. Come on. <laughs> you're the one who said decades, not me. It's true. It's true. So how did you get your start? Uh, in the sports industry or in fantasy specific? Either are. I mean, I'll try, I could try to go through the sports industry one quickly. Sure. Um, I, I ended up going to school for, for print journalism and I, I knew sports was what I wanted to get into. Um, when it came time for, uh, to get, to get my internship, I, uh, went for the big internship with the Leafs and Raptors and MLSE. I am a very confident individual. I was down to the last two people and I was in my mind guaranteed that obviously I was going to get it. And at the 11th hour found out that I had come in second for that one. And now I had about a day to figure out my internship and uh, really no prospects on the table. And the director of communications for the Thai cats uh, had come to my school that day. And one of my teachers had told me that uh, he was downstairs with the broadcast students and that I love football. Why don't you go talk to him and see if there's something there? I went down, we hit it off completely. He asked me straight up, uh, how much do you know about the CFL? And I told him very clearly, absolutely nothing almost, but there's only eight teams in the league, which there were back then. Um, and I said, I think I could get caught up in about a day. And he he laughed. And uh, yeah, because we'd gotten along so well, he told me to come in and I did an internship there. I got hired to be the, the first staff writer in the CFL for any uh, specific team um, and spent two years there, you know, right out of school, standing at football practice, doing a job that I thought would be, you know, almost impossible to get, especially in Canada, to be out you know, covering a football team like that. And I learned so much stuff that I still use today, just about the workings of a professional football team. And people can say CFL versus NFL and that sort of thing. But you learn so much about how players approach it, how coaches and front office approach it. And those are things that now when I see news come out, the odd time I can draw back and go, wait a minute, that sounds like that situation. I bet that's not the case. And very often it has helped me. So spent a couple of years there, uh, kind of outgrew the role and, and wanted something new. And uh, there was a position open at TSN, ended up going there as a web producer and quickly took over their NFL section. And I was doing MMA as well, because back then I, I was pretty big into MMA, not so much anymore, but uh, it, it MMA was the first thing that I was able to do there that kind of showed what I was capable of. And then they handed me the NFL reins. Uh, so yeah, spent four years there. And then again, got to that point where it kind of felt like I was outgrowing it and looking for that next opportunity. And a friend of mine that had worked doing video stuff for uh, TSN at that point was working for uh, the NHL. And he contact contacted me, said he had a friend that worked for the score um, and they were looking for a guy to be a supervisor and run their NFL stuff. And that the guy was having a hard time finding someone and that this guy thought of me and uh, sort of linked me up with him. And uh, I got hired at the score shortly after and I've uh, been there ever since been there coming up on 10 years now later this month, uh, about halfway through my time at the score, I was uh, doing the you know, NFL supervising and general supervising of the newsroom and stuff and always doing the fantasy thing along the way. And about five years ago, uh, we had a change in management in the newsroom. The new management came in and had seen what I'd been doing and the numbers it was drawing and wondered why I wasn't being put in a position to do that more. 
and which I love to hear. And uh, from that point on, I've been working remotely. I've been just focused on fantasy football year round. And uh, it, it's a great success. I mean, I ended up winning the uh, Fantasy Pros Most Accurate Expert Competition um, in 2019, which was sort of a big obsession of mine for uh, many years until I actually won it. Um, and yeah, things have been going so well. So when we look back, I guess I should have mentioned the fantasy thing uh, professionally started when I was at TSN. Scott Cullen was doing fantasy at that point there. Scott and I became great friends. And he was very focused on hockey. He was trying to cover every fantasy sport, which there's still a few people in the industry that do that. I don't know how they do it. It is so tough to be able to drill in on every single sport and know it that well. And Scott did a great job with it. But because I wanted to do the fantasy football stuff, I had asked him, you know, could I maybe do some stuff with you? He was very open to it. And that's when I started putting up my rankings with his on the site. And that's when I came across the, the fantasy pros thing. And I began doing that. And then it was you know, seven years later or so when I finally uh, took home the title. But uh, yeah, I've been doing fantasy ever since and been loving it ever since. So pardon my ignorance. What does okay. what does most act? I mean, clearly, I know what the words mean, but right. What does most accurate fantasy football analyst mean? I have some practice because I have I'm to not the explain first, I'm this not the first, to. I'm not the first yeah. idiot to ask the question. <laughs> I I have friends and, and family that to this day, I explain it to them and I can see that look in their eye that they, they definitely don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so Fantasy Pros started doing a competition where uh, analysts from you know all the different sites that if you wanted to sign up, analysts from ESPN and CBS and Yahoo and a lot of big fantasy sites and some smaller ones as well. It was about 140, 150, I think most years, maybe now it's more. Um, I've since retired from the contest a couple of years ago. Um, but you're basically all entering your rankings for the season first. That's one competition. And then for each week during the season, that's another competition. And they're putting that up against how players actually finish and generating an accuracy score. The way they used to do it was like a percentage. And now they have like a point system. And yeah, I, immediately the first year I was in it, my goal was just, you know, don't make a fool of yourself. I'm very competitive, but I didn't have, you know, the hubris to think that I was going to walk in and just win it right away. And the very first year I was in it, I finished eighth. And I immediately then I was like, wait a minute, I can win this thing and started going deeper and deeper uh, down that rabbit hole, trying to figure out ways to refine my process and everything I'm doing. And each year I would get a little bit better at it and figure out, you know, cut the fat and figure out what I was spending time on that wasn't actually helping. And each year I would kind of move my way up and Every single year I did it for nine seasons. I never finished worse than 11th in that contest. Uh, one uh, stretch at the very end, the last seven years I was in it, I was top seven every single year. So I was kind of always flirting with it. Um, and then finally won it in 2019 and was going to just walk out on top. I thought that was the best way to do it. But I had friends convince me, you got to go back. You got to try to do the repeat and went back one more time, finished top five. And then I was like, I, I think that's enough. I was... I was very obsessive about it, as I've mentioned, and uh, I, maybe to my detriment a little bit. Um, and I thought it would, you know, not doing that contest would maybe open me up to do more things for the score. And so uh, eventually that's why I stepped away. And when you're doing it, is it like living in an Excel spreadsheet for eight, nine months? Yes. My my wife in the last calendar year has said to me that she she came to the realization Oh, you're you're a bit of like a, a stat nerd, and I was like, yeah, you're like you're just realizing this. Like, I I don't know if I carry myself that way, but that's definitely a huge part of my job. 
Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of that. I try to to blend, you know, watching film and you know going over the the stats and the metrics. Um, I think that's the only way to approach it. You're trying to take as many data points as you can to kind of put that puzzle together. And to when I sit down to actually do my rankings, I want as much information in my brain as possible when I'm sorting everything out. Um, but yeah, it's it is a lot of spreadsheets to this day, and uh, I'm quite comfortable now uh, when I sit down and I have them open in front of me. That's almost that that's my zen, right? I sit down and I I feel very very comfortable when when all the the screens are open around me. So I'm old, my words not yours. Okay, and and, and I sit down with, you know the youngins to watch games and they want, they don't want to watch a game. They want to watch red zone. And it drives me crazy because <laughs> truth be told, they're actually not fans of a team. They're fans of their team. And they sit there with their phones or their iPads or their laptops. And all they want to know is how their guys are doing. They don't really care how their team is doing. And I find that, maddening pun intended in in this uh foray but pardon what the, specifically pardon, pardon the john madden reference there what what um, specifically about it bothers you that much because it's definitely the way it's going yeah oh it's not the way it's going it's the way it's gone yeah for sure why because i like the whole part in my my wrong opinion clearly is <laughs> it's about rooting for your team good versus bad you know, it's rooting for your team against the opposition and following your team, whoever that is, as they as they go through their season wins and losses, not a group of players that you've put together. And by the way, I am not opposed to fantasy at all. But the fact that little kid little kids to grown men and women um have completely pivoted their focus away from caring about the home team to their team to me there is a degree of sadness that that at the, the the shift has changed so much and maybe i'm oh go ahead sir when i i remember watching jimmy the greek way back when on sunday you know sundays talking about the betting line and people would watch the game for the for the money they had on it it was a it was important but it wasn't the most important thing and it seems yeah. to me that that has shifted. And maybe I'm dating myself by saying that I'm trying to walk the line between those two. I'm a, a really big Bills fan. Uh, the Bills, I was at a very impressionable age when the Bills were going to the Super Bowl every year. Um, so I, I've you know continued to be a huge fan even through the tough years. And they've gotten a lot better in the last you know five or five or six years. But uh, I try to walk the line between the two. It's actually led me to go the opposite way for a long time. I wouldn't draft Bills players because I didn't trust my opinion on them. I thought that I saw way too many people in fantasy leagues, you know, around here growing up where I did that would overpay, right? That would overpay. You see it in fantasy hockey leagues. Everybody wants their Leafs on their team, right? And they're going to you know, draft them a round or two too early or spend, you know, two million <laughs> dollars to get them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I've kind of held out uh, against that, but I'm walking the line now between being that big Bills fan and, and also really rooting for my teams. And I might be the exception because of how many leagues I'm in where it's tough to just root for one individual team. There's some that I care about more than others, but overall, if I'm rooting for one team, I'm rooting against another one of my teams because I have players across the board on all those. So maybe I'm a bit uh, different for that, but 
I don't think that there's anything wrong with people approaching that way. I agree that I wish it was, you could do both. I wish people would root for their fantasy teams and really continue to support their teams. But I think it's in the age of free agency when players are changing teams so often, it's difficult to go out and buy a jersey because you don't know if that player is going to be there next year. And we're seeing it across all sports, players forcing you know trades and stuff. So it's a lot more movement in the offseason which is also another very exciting aspect of sports, right? The off seasons have become almost a, its own version of entertainment. What are the rosters going to look like, you know, come the season? Um, so I don't think it's a bad thing. I, you know, I think there's a, a situation where if people go too far down that road where they're not even watching the games, they're just looking at the end result and the fantasy points and the stats then I'm not a huge fan of that. I want to make sure that people are watching the games because there's so many things you see when you watch a game that if you're just looking at the results and the stat lines, you're not going to get the full picture, right? And for example, we saw one just the other day in the preseason where you know Trey Lance comes out for the 49ers and puts up a decent stat line by the end of the game. But if you watch the game, it was terrible. His performance, he, he had no command of the offense. He was making mistakes constantly out there. And yet you look at the box score, you'd have no idea that that was the case. So I want to see people love the sport. I think that's going to be very uh, challenging when you have the the younger demographic coming up to figure out ways to get them to actually sit down and watch a, a two and a half, three, maybe four hour game at times. I sometimes struggle with that. I'm somebody that watches the red zone on Sunday, but also if there's just one game being shown, I'm doing it more for my job, I think, to make sure I'm trying to keep up on everything. And I'm having a multi-screen experience where I have Red Zone up on one and I got different games up on the others and I'm switching those around throughout that one o'clock window. Um, But when there's one primetime game, you got to sit down, you got to watch that. Even if you want to jump on your phone a little bit and move around, that's okay. But I want to make sure that people are still watching those games for sure. Yeah, look, while I said earlier, I'm an idiot. There's no question that all sports had a challenge of generating a younger audience and continuing that interest. And there is no question that fantasy and to a degree gambling have played a significant role in rekindling that interest. So the fact that even younger kids are playing fantasy has has regenerated that interest is a good thing. So I'm not I'm not diametrically opposed it's just i have noticed that uh there seems to be less interest in the broader team as opposed to their team being their fantasy team and i do wonder the balance um how how much do you follow the legalized gambling side of things i mean the score is obviously very interested in it. it's a big topic in canada right now the, the government's certainly watching it um we are at a very interesting inflection point as to what can be advertised, where things are going from a gambling perspective, call fantasy what you want. For the most part, there's, there are free ones, but people are putting some money up there to enter some of these things. The office pool is one of the greatest, you know, fantasy leagues there, there is definitely Um, any thoughts on where things are going right now uh, on the gambling stuff in Canada or, or in the U S uh, I'm not really an expert in that area. And, you know, okay. the way I am with my fantasy content is, you know, when, when there's something that I don't know about, I'm very open with people. I'm not yep. going to sit there and try to BS and tell people something and come up with an answer. 
Um, I'm going to be very clear that, you know, I got to do more research on that and I'll get back to them on the next podcast episode <laughs> or, or the next article that I'm writing. And I think that's the way you should be with, with, with this stuff, right? You should be yep. straightforward and it should be kind of that conversation along the way. I'll say, I think the, the gambling stuff, the betting stuff is incredibly exciting. Um, you know, I, I like what the score's doing. I like what Penn's doing. Um, and, and I'm pumped to see where it goes, but I've kind of not been involved in very much of that. So for me to, to give a, a thoughtful answer on it, I, I don't know that I would be doing your, your listeners a, a service, um, other than just kind of sharing the excitement that people have. And, you know, I've spent time, you know, betting in the past uh, on games. I always had a, a, a difficult time doing it because my focus was on fantasy. So I always wanted to keep my attention there. Um, and maybe that's part of the, the answer to this as well. It's like, you know, staying in my lane and making sure that I'm, you know, remaining focused on the fantasy thing and doing as good a job of, of, uh, of that as I can. Um, but yeah, just generally, I think it's, it's great where it's headed. Um, and I'm pretty excited to see where it goes and, and where the score can take it in Canada. So every sport seems to be going through this right now, where it seems to be a younger person's game. Uh, the NFL seems that this offseason more than any other is experiencing that, uh, especially in the running back world. 27-year-old running backs are being portrayed as fossils, if you will, yeah. hanging on to any hope of a meaningful NFL career for dear life. You know, the league that I used to watch was once built around star backs dominating offensive workloads and competing for NFL MVP awards feels something very, very different. Are teams being foolish in how they're valuing these backs now? No, uh, quite the opposite. It's an unfortunate situation where the backs are such a, a big part of these offenses. And yet when it comes time to get paid, they're not getting the contract offers that they want. But that's because teams have figured out the game, the the abundance of talent that there is at running back, the way that you can build a run game behind a great offensive line and having that great quarterback that challenges defenses and then opens up lanes for these backs. Um, I would I would think that any big contract that goes out to a running back now would, within a year or two, be viewed as a, a really bad decision for that team. Um, and we see it just constantly year over year, and we see it in fantasy, and it's one of the reasons why I think some of the approaches in fantasy have changed, where, like you said, it used to be built around the big running backs, and running backs used to dominate the first round of fantasy drafts because those were the guys getting... 300 you know 350 touches a year and in the last couple seasons and especially this year we've seen that shift and now there's just as many if not more receivers and Travis Kelsey we can call him a tight end but he's basically a receiver those guys are going in the first round and you're only seeing a few of the very very top running backs like a Christian McCaffrey or Austin Eckler getting into the first round of fantasy drafts it's awful it's terrible when I talk about it on my show I don't really know what to say because Josh Jacobs is someone that's leading people to fantasy titles. He's somebody that's leading the league in rushing last year, and yet his team won't actually pay him. And I think that's the right call for them. And I think he's doing a smart thing too by trying to force their hand and get as much as he can. Changes need to be made. Uh, I had a long car ride with a couple of guys that I work with and that uh, cover the NFL. And we spent a long time in that car ride trying to figure out what's the solution. And in the end, we didn't even have an answer. In the end, we threw out ideas, 
but none of them were the one that I think would actually solve it. So I don't know where it's going to go from here. I thought it'd be interesting if, you know, the running backs kind of tried to form a little mini union and we saw a running back strike in week one of the NFL season, that would be maybe the most out there uh, potential idea. And whether that would actually generate any change, I don't know. It probably wouldn't, but it would be something funny to see in week one. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is there, but uh, I don't think it is paying running backs at this point because there's just so many great players. Maybe if we start to see more young players not going into that position and maybe there isn't as much talent 10 years from now in that spot, maybe it'll come back around. But right now, you can get a lot of running backs. And in fantasy, that's why one of the best approaches is not to spend up on running back, but to get a couple guys later and then to just fill your bench with all the backups. And then as the injuries happen throughout the year, those guys start to get opportunities. And because they're pretty talented players in their own right, once they get volume, they produce. And that could be a, a big-time fantasy strategy that can help you win. So you mentioned receivers here in my backyard, a couple miles literally behind me. Seattle has a bit of a three-headed monster. Could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. You got DK, Tyler Lockett, and... Jackson Smith. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the last in, name. In yeah. <laughs> better you than me. You can call him JSN. JSN is the easy way to go. Perfect. You know, DK and, and Tyler combined for 190 catches and 2,200 plus receiving yards last year. JSN has over 1,600 yards as a sophomore at OSU. The OSU, where my daughter starts school tomorrow. How's this going to play out? I don't think we know for sure. And I think people should be taking shots on all of them where they're going in fantasy drafts. Maybe the smartest approach right now is to go and get Geno Smith because Geno Smith last year finished as a top 10 fantasy quarterback. And yet he's going outside of the top 10 this year. I think sometimes people are a little slow to come around on the idea of a player that was essentially a bust for so long. When they have that one big season, people think it's an outlier. I really don't think it was. I think Gino matured along the way and now he's in this fantastic situation. And you look at a guy that was a top 10 quarterback last year in fantasy. And now you add these weapons like JSN, like they bring in Zach Charbonnet at running back, who is a better pass catcher than Kenneth Walker in the backfield. So he'll be able to give them a little bit more there. So that might be the best move. If you're not really sure who to pick going, just getting Gino as your quarterback late might work out really well for you. DK always has the potential. We saw it that one year to put up the massive touchdown season to be the, the huge difference maker. You know, we had 13 touchdowns one year. We could see that at any given moment. The, the title is not as technical as Calvin Johnson or Julio Jones, but right now DK is kind of that big body dominant outside receiver that can put up that huge season. So I think we could see that. I think J JSN, as the year goes along, the hype on him has been huge. He's answering the bell, everything you could expect. As the year goes along, we're going to see him slowly take over more and more. Tyler Lockett, a great receiver in his own right, but JSN is going to be the number two receiver probably there. And potentially by the end of this season, I think he could be the number one receiver. And it's not going to be long before he's talked about in the top five, top 10 receivers in the league that's how quality he is. He was on those Ohio state teams with all these other great guys. Some of them pointing out that he might've been the best of the bunch, uh, just a phenomenal talent. And uh, a great example though, a highlight that he had this week, right? I think he had a 48 yard catch and everybody went wild over it. And yeah, it was great. It was a nice catch by him, 
But I think that play was all Drew Locke, which you'd never expect Drew Locke to have. And this is totally a side note. But I think going back to one of the reasons why you want to watch the games, Drew Locke throws a perfect ball, just a beautiful pass, lands right in JSN's hands. I think a lot of people look at the box score would go, wow, 48-yard catch. What a phenomenal receiver. When in reality, that specific play was kind of both of them, maybe even more of the quarterback on that one. Regardless, JSN is going to be fantastic, and the Seahawks are going to be better than people realize. So speaking of hype, three rookie quarterbacks poised to maybe start this year. You have JSN's former teammate, potentially C.J. Stroud in Houston, Bryce Young in Carolina, and Anthony Richardson in Indy. It's a lot of buzz for three new kids, if you will. What do you think? And we know a quarterback's taken at the top of the first round. It doesn't always work out. It, it <laughs> often ends up not working out. Um, for fantasy, Anthony Richardson has the highest ceiling. He's the one with the massive rushing upside. And you basically see now that the top fantasy quarterbacks, even guys like Patrick Mahomes, they all give you something on the ground. Like Patrick Mahomes isn't a rushing quarterback, but He's going to give you a few hundred yards on the ground. And then you see a lot of other guys. Daniel Jones is an example last year, somebody that elevates his status in fantasy based on the rushing production. Anthony Richardson comes in, maybe the most athletic, I'd say on paper, the most athletic quarterback prospect that we've ever seen enter the NFL. There's going to be a learning curve. We saw this a little bit when Josh Allen came into the league with the Bills that during his rookie season, it wasn't perfect. He was still trying to figure out the touch on the ball. He had the huge arm. He had the rushing ability, but it took a little while for him to get comfortable out there and for him to really figure out what he needed to do to win. But at, during that time, he's able to use his legs to help the team have success and to help fantasy managers have success. That's what we're going to see with Anthony Richardson. People were speculating that you know Gardner Minshew was going to start early in the year. We really don't see that happen very often where these middle of the road backups play and are these bridge quarterbacks for these young guys teams want to get the young guy out there. They want to get them the experience. And that's why a week ago or so they announced that Anthony Richardson is going to start in week one. And that rushing upside gives him a surprisingly high floor, even if he struggles as a passer early on while also having this massive ceiling. And also he is a much better passer than people realize he's very poised in the pocket. People look at these Russian quarterbacks sometimes coming out and they think that they're these projects. He's not that really, he's a lot more accurate than people realize they're going to have success in Indy. That offense is going to move whether it results in wins. I'm not sure, but he is going to be a good fantasy quarterback. When you look at the other two, not as exciting for fantasy, the rushing upside really isn't the same but they both have the skills to be really good long-term NFL quarterbacks. Bryce Young, people are looking at preseason stats and getting down on him. That's kind of silly. What you want to see is you want to see a quarterback show that he's comfortable out there, that the game's not too big for him. And Bryce Young, in the first preseason game, they're going in against the Jets defense. That front seven for the Jets is scary. They're going to get pressure on a lot of teams. And Young was under fire that entire game. But at the same time, he was dealing with it well. He was making the right decisions. He was still trying to work through his progressions. Some quarterbacks get out there, and I don't know if people have seen, you know, remember the Johnny Manziel situation or have seen that documentary on Netflix recently if they didn't watch it when it happened in real time. But I remember when Manziel got out there and looked like he had been pulled out of the stands, basically, right? He was running <laughs> around, had no clue what he was doing. You're not seeing that from 
CJ Stroud. He looked much, CJ Stroud looked much better in the second preseason game. And you're not seeing that from Bryce Young. Uh, the teams, they're on the rise. They have new, new coaches, new systems around them that I think are going to be a lot better than what we saw with those teams in previous years. So I have a lot of hope for them as long-term franchise quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't know that they're ever going to be really big fantasy stars, but Anthony Richardson is the one that I think could get up there. If everything comes together for him, we could be talking about him up with the, you know, the Jalen Hurts and the Josh Allens, and he could be near the top of the league based on all the skills he had has, if it can come together. So I was, uh, sorry, hang on. I was, uh, in a, uber in vegas last week okay and it's awesome when the uber driver is driving you while he is watching some nfl channel (laughs) on uh on his iphone driving you and it's an nfl show and the guy is getting really really excited because his team is being predicted to win their conference and his team is the lovely detroit lions i knew you were gonna say that (laughs) And I lived in Detroit and I started laughing. He goes, why are you laughing? And I said, because I was there when Wayne Fontez coached the team. He goes, who the hell is Wayne Fontez? (laughs) So are they really legit? As contenders, not yet. They're going in the right direction. I think a lot of people, you know, everything's about expectations now, whether it's sports teams, whether it's movies, you go into a movie with great expectations, you're probably going to be let down. You go in, you haven't even seen the trailer yet. It might end up being one of the best movies you've ever seen, right? And sports is a little bit like that where every year there's normally a team that people overhype, you know, last year and injuries were involved, but last year the Bills were kind of that team where, yes, they had everything they needed to win a Super Bowl, but they were almost universally picked. Everybody was saying that the Bills were going to make it to the Super Bowl. And along the way, some things happened, some injuries, you know, Von Miller and Josh Allen, two of your best players get hurt. And the next thing you know, you're not in contention. The Lions, I don't think they have what it takes to be true Super Bowl contenders. Could they make it to the playoffs? Could they win a playoff game? Absolutely. And I think one of the things that happened with them was when Dan Campbell showed up and gave that initial press conference about biting people's knees off and all that sort of stuff. I think people looked at him and said, this guy's a meathead. This guy's not going to work out. This is going to be a terrible situation. It's going to be another one of these Detroit Lions situations that fall apart. And what we've come to learn is Campbell's an incredibly smart coach and he surrounded himself with smart coaches and they brought in a lot of former players to be coaches and members of their staff. And it's really working out and they're getting the right players. People want to be upset about the fact that they didn't get great value in the draft in the first round this year. They took a running back 12th overall. They took a, an inside linebacker, you know, in the top 20. But those were pieces that they needed on their team. And now I'm almost giving them the benefit of the doubt that even though on paper that doesn't look like it's the smartest move value-wise, I want to see what they're going to do with it. So I, I think they are going to be good. I think they're going to be a lot better than what we've seen from them in the past. When Jared Goff is your quarterback, it's hard for me to say you're a legit contender. And yes, you know, Goff has had success before, but there was a reason why the Rams moved off Goff and then eventually got where they wanted to go. He's the kind of quarterback that everything around him has to be strong for him to succeed. And they're doing that. Their offensive line is one of the best in the league. You know, they they have some great weapons. Amandre St. Brown at receiver, very exciting rookie tight end and Sam Laporta. Now Jameer Gibbs in the backfield, this explosive weapon. So they're, they're surrounding him with the right guys, 
but I think there's still probably a, a receiver or two away from getting to where they need to go. Um, can't wait to see what happens with them. And they're a fantasy team that people are going to love because their defense isn't great yet. And that's going to lead to a lot of high scoring games, a lot of games where there's going to be a lot of plays. They got to keep moving the ball to try to keep up. And it's going to be fantastic for fantasy. So invest in the Lions for fantasy. Don't put any money down on them as a Super Bowl contender. I don't think they're going to get there this season. Is there a bigger focal point slash tire fire that people are kind of praying to watch than Russell Wilson and Sean Payton in Denver? Why is that? I mean, I guess it's because the way Russ acts sometimes and the silly commercials and some of the things that his former teammates have said, but um, I've never rooted against Sean Payton. Um, I, I respect Payton a lot. Uh, Maybe he could be a little brash at times and maybe he came in and kind of did the same thing in Denver here, but I've never rooted against Peyton Russ, uh, I guess a little bit. I, you know, I haven't been someone that's uh, particularly high on him for fantasy. Um, But yeah, I think, especially after what happened last year, you would think that everyone would, would turn around and be excited about this team. And that's really not the case. I don't know the answer. I don't know why that is specifically maybe a better insight into it than I do. Um, but yeah, I would say that in general, people probably are rooting against that team. I just, I, I can't put my finger on it. Can you, but does that help them? I mean, sometimes being the The, underdog and the the world is against approach, the world is against them. Right. I mean, I don't know about in Denver, but certainly here in Seattle and yeah, that, that was Belichick's thing for a long time. Right. I'm not sure there's a more universally hated guy in the league right now than, than, than Russell Wilson Uh, from a quarterback perspective. Yeah, he's pretty hated, whether deserved or not. And, well, and it's I, the the guys that have sort of, you know, and, and Marshawn Lynch hasn't said really negative things, but he didn't stop any of the teammates when they were all talking about it, right? Like, so you you figure that Marshawn has some thoughts on it. He might just be, you know, a nicer guy and not want to say anything. But it, it's the guys, I think, that have said stuff, whether it be Marshawn suggesting that or Richard Sherman or some of these other guys that people really like. Um, maybe that's why the the public's kind of aligning against Russ. I don't know. The the guy seems to have it all a beautiful wife, beautiful family, beautiful house with, you know, a million bathrooms in it. That becomes a big story. Like he's just one of those guys that anything he does, uh, people want to jump on it, but yeah, I'm not totally sure why. I mean, I just wonder, and you know, better than me that this is it, right? Like he had an awful year. He had an awful year last year. You know, Peyton comes in and basically barbecues the coach last year. So now he's got a better coach, perhaps better players. If they don't perform this year, the guy is getting up there in years. I would think, you know, either you put up or shut up. Yeah, and the contract just handcuffs them so much. It makes it so difficult for the Broncos to to get out of that until potentially after this year. And there has been reports that, you know, Peyton came in kind of expecting that that was going to be the case, that they were going to try to see what they could get out of Russ this year. He talked up Jared Stidham, who they got from the Raiders, who had some good starts late last season when there were injuries there. Um, they spent up to kind of get him as a backup and really said a lot of positive things about him to the point where some people were speculating that if things go south with Russ, maybe Stidham will end up being the starter there. But I don't think we've we've heard the last from Russ. I think they have a lot of players in that offense. Cortland Sutton apparently showing really well. Maybe he's going to have a bounce back year. Jerry Judy didn't crack a thousand yards, which is such a, an arbitrary number now. But last year came just short of a thousand yards. I think if he had 
gotten just over that thousand yard mark, people would look at that and be a little more excited about him, but he could definitely be a breakout candidate this year. Marvin Mims was the first draft pick of the Sean Payton era. He's going to be their third receiver and we'll pour a little out for Tim Patrick, who's long been one of my favorites, always in my waiver wire articles, a guy that continued to produce pretty good fantasy numbers, despite not being one of the most talented receivers in the league. Uh, Marvin Mims is going to step into that number three role, give them kind of a different element speed on the outside. He's an exciting young player. So there's ways that this could turn out well for Russ. I don't think we should be writing him off yet, but I will say I'm not putting my money where my mouth is on that one because I have not drafted him very many places this year. All right. Two, two last questions. One easy, maybe one hard. Uh, Everyone out there listening, if they haven't done their draft yet, they have the first pick or they have the last pick in their draft. Who should they pick first? Who should they pick if they're picking last? All right. So first pick overall this year goes back to what we were saying before. It's it's surprisingly a receiver. It's Justin Jefferson. Uh, one of the best starts, if not the best start we've ever seen a receiver have in his first three seasons. More yards than any receiver, more receiving yards than any receivers ever had in three years. And it's not even close. It's like six or 700 yards more than the next closest guy. And if it's on a per game basis, I think Odell Beckham is the only one that's even remotely close to him. Uh, so Justin Jefferson is about as safe as they come. Any player at any position can get hurt, but Jefferson is the guy that is going to have a, a huge season as long as he stays healthy and receivers have a much better chance of staying healthy than the running backs, which goes back to our previous conversation there. And if we're talking the last pick of the first round, is that what we're, yeah, we're going exactly, with? The last yeah, pick exactly. of the draft. Yeah. The last pick of the first round, I found myself going running back in that range because you almost have to pivot. If you go with a receiver, you end up taking the sixth or seventh receiver off the board. So you're kind of already at a disadvantage. I've liked to go running back there. Nick Chubb is somebody that Kareem Hunt's out of the picture. And Chubb, when Kareem Hunt's been out, averages you know, two or three more fantasy points per game. And now with Hunt, with, uh, Hunt out of the way, we're going to see him have a huge role, potentially a lot more receiving. And that's something the coaching staff has talked about. That's something that could really bump up his fantasy value. So I think he could be a guy that potentially leads the league in rushing this year and ends up being that uh, could be the RB one overall in fantasy. Uh, somebody else that goes just in the second round, but I think is being undervalued and I think could sneak into that first round too. Same vein, Tony Pollard. And maybe if you're picking at the end of the first, you grab Pollard at the beginning of the second and you start with those two running backs and then you backfill everywhere else. But Tony Pollard, similar situation to Chubb, had Ezekiel Elliott there. Now Ezekiel Elliott's gone. And Tony Pollard last year, RB1 in fantasy. Now with him gone, could be talking about a top five guy, maybe even an outside shot to be the running back one overall. So kind of like we saw with Austin Eckler for all those years. You had Melvin Gordon with the Chargers. Eckler had the talent, was the explosive player. As soon as Gordon was out of the way, all of a sudden now, Eckler putting up, you know, these huge seasons, not just with the yardage, not just with receptions, but with touchdown totals too. So Tony Pollard, very exciting this year. All right. Now the hard question. So people don't realize, a lot of people don't think of it this way, but the NFL is really the biggest media company that there is. And I'm not sure if you saw these articles floating around the internet over the weekend, but there's a, a, a pretty good rumor out there that, and one, one scribe put it, it's only a matter of when not if apple buys espn and the nfl uh is the monster so the nfl launches something this year called premium plus it costs 80 bucks a year it gets you the red zone radio local primetime games nfl network this is 
a first. And there's only one league that could really do it, and it's these guys because of just betting, the games, fantasy. You know, people will pay anything for this. Any thoughts on the package, whether it's a good thing, where this is headed? I'd just love to know your opinion on it. I think everyone, or a lot of people anyway, uh, hate change. And they they don't want to come along quickly and they'll talk to their friends and family about how upset they are about it. But if you want that product, you are going to buy it. You're going to figure out a way to log on and get it. And some of the people that don't tend to do that are going to come around on it. So I think it's just a matter of time. It's the way things are going. And yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad thing by any means. I think people should be coming around to that. And I just look at how I've consumed it over the years. There's lots of times where on Sunday, if I have to get something done around the house, let's say, I will just be walking around with my phone with games on my phone, switching back and forth between them and you know maybe Bluetooth in my ear and getting that yard work done while still consuming the games that way. Once again, with the caveat that I end up going back and rewatching games and doing all that, and that's what I'm getting paid for. But um, I think that's just the way things are going. And, and I don't think it's a bad thing at all. And while I think that initially people will have some grumbling about it, everybody will be doing that within a short period of time. Everyone will be jumping on board and everybody will be streaming to whatever device they prefer. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you doing this. This has been extremely interesting to me. As I said, I am not the world's biggest fantasy player. Uh, Tons of people are. He is uh, the guru. You can catch him on the score. You can catch him all over the net. He does podcasts. He is Justin Boone, the most accurate fantasy football analyst there is. You can catch his triple-double picks somewhere. That's what they still call them back when people used to do those picks on (laughs) weekly hits. Shows you how old I am. Thank you so much for doing this, Justin, and we hope to have you back. We'll do it late, late, late in the season when you're not so tired. Sounds good. All right, take it easy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of In the Press Row. Hope you learned a lot. Uh, Thanks, Justin, for joining us. Hopefully he will come back again perhaps later in the season, see how your teams did, how his teams did. Uh, If you want to appear as a guest on In the Press Row, you can reach me, or if you just want to reach me in general, you can always find me on Twitter, whatever they're calling it these days, or any of the social media handles. You can usually find me at YYZ Sports Media. Email is Jonah at YYZ Sports Media. You can follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.